of religion in charitable giving. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by two of my esteemed colleagues, Dr. David King and Rafia Khadr, and they are the co-authors of Chapter 27 of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition that came out in 2022, which is the role of religion in giving. And David, let me start with you, just you know, kind of a big picture question. What is the role of religion in charitable giving? That's a great question, Bill. Uh, it's, it's long as we've been tracking with maybe giving USA as an example, religion has been um, the largest subsector of the charitable giving pie in the United States, around 27% over this past year, uh, which is still basically double the next biggest subsector. So giving to religion, even narrowly defined, is basically congregations, denominations, religious media, makes up the, the largest percentage of the subsectors. Uh, but we also know that religion is a, an important motivator uh, to the variety of faith-based nonprofits uh, across the country that make up many of the other subsectors, and as a motivator for why people give, they volunteer, they they give more, and they give more not only to religious organizations, which you might imagine for religious individuals, but to secular nonprofits too. So, looking at um, the religious organizations that provide so many services across our um, U.S. Uh, nonprofit sector as well as the motivations for individuals themselves to a wide variety of causes. And Rafia, why is this? Uh, obviously many different religions in the United States and around the world, many different religious traditions and followings. Are there some you know, just common motivations that we understand across the religious landscape? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when we take a look at the different religions across the spectrum, we see that giving really is in the heart of the foundations of all the religious traditions. And what we see when we look at a religion overall, the biggest motivator really for religious giving and, and people of faith in particular, when they give, rather, whether they're giving to religious organizations or even secular organizations, is this uh, out of this personal conviction in their belief in God and to deepen the relationship with their creator. So that's that's the number one thing that we we found in our research. So the second motivation for religious givers is also to receive uh, reciprocity with their religious community and in their larger larger organizations. Uh, a third motivator that we see is um, this this expression of gratitude um, for one's blessings in life and also to express uh, their their altruism. And so those are some things that we see across the spectrum of, across different religious faith traditions in motivations for, for their giving. What a wonderful summary. My relationship with the transcendent, my relationship with the congregation, and my relationship with my community as I, as I express my gratitude. A lot of common themes throughout different religious traditions across the world. Uh, David, any changes, any shifts that we've been seeing lately? Yeah, there are some changes, I think, in how we track uh, religious giving uh, and how religion motivates our giving. Well, one thing that we continue to track is that there, there are declines in um, uh, affiliation patterns. You know, uh, fewer in, uh, Americans are affiliating with a religious tradition or are members of a local faith community like a congregation. Uh, and maybe the you know attendance patterns are changing. Maybe people are going uh, to uh, temple, mosque, um, or their, their church uh, less often than they used to. And so this oftentimes were some of the key trackers, you know, attendance um, and affiliation for how we um, sort of measured uh, how religion uh, motivates uh, this giving in this way. And so uh, it's worth noting how those religious practices, whether it's listening to a sermon, being part of a community and being um, in touch with greater needs, how those shifts are, are starting to, to, to change maybe the landscape. 
one thing that we're more and more interested in is, is pointing to just because uh, traditional religious affiliation or membership may be changing, that doesn't, um, that doesn't close off how religion and spirituality and values continues to shape and motivate giving. So looking at a variety of spiritual practices um, and the values oftentimes passed on through families or communities, whether that be, whether that means someone is sort of in, in, in church or at mosque every week uh, are open questions. And we need to be attentive, particularly as fundraisers, and to how those spiritual practices and values continue to shape our giving, um, even if they might be tracking in different ways than what we might have expected a generation ago. Rafi, I'd like to ask you, please, to amplify on David's answer there as we see a growing diversity in religious belief, just in the United States context, for example, knowing that there's significant diversity around the world as well. But also, as David mentioning, you know, more and more Americans uh, not identifying with a particular religion. You know, what are some of the implications for fundraisers and charitable giving as we're seeing this shift in the religious landscape in the United States? Yeah, so that's a really um, interesting point. So what we've seen, according to Pew Research, is that the second largest, I guess, religious group are the unaffiliated. And so the, the natural assumption might be that, that these people, they don't care about spirituality. Uh, they don't care anything about um, causes that might be religious, um, like Catholic charities, for example. But uh, there was a study done by the Fester Institute in 2020. And what they found is that actually around 60% of Americans actually do find uh like spiritual meaning in their philanthropic activity. And so it's really important for fundraisers to not discount the disaffiliated just because they're not, they're not a member of a particular house of worship and if they don't identify uh, with any particular denomination. Um, and so I think that's really important. And, and uh, yeah, it's such a key aspect of charitable giving to know, you know, some people use the word religion and others use the word spirituality. And you know, again, we have wonderful, talented researchers like David and Rafi who are helping us to kind of dig deeper on these data to understand our donors who do have a religious or a spiritual motivation. Uh, David, that also, uh, we saw an interesting shift during the pandemic, right? Everything uh, was shifted online for a while at most religious congregations. You know, one of the things that uh, the belief was that, you know, religious giving was so high because as you mentioned earlier, people were in their congregation every week. So the congregational leader could ask for that charitable giving, could remind them of their particular religious or, or spiritual teaching. What did we see during the pandemic as it relates to religious giving? And now in the wake of what we hope is the worst of the pandemic, what trends are, are emerging? Well, that's a great question, Bill. And I think I mean, at Lake Institute, I know in the School of Philanthropy, this is a pressing question for us is, is what do we learn through, that, uh, through, our, through the pandemic and what might it mean for the future? Uh, and in, in many ways, uh, we think that, I mean, most congregations, which is the bulk of religious giving, continue to do quite well um, during the pandemic. And I think part of that was the natural uh, rhythms of religious giving and how many of those uh, organizations, those nonprofits were first responders to many meeting the needs, um, whether that's you know, spaces for kids to, um, to do online school or to meet needs around food or housing, these kinds of immediate needs. And the rhythms of continuing to give were already in place. And so, uh, you know, shifting quickly to online giving, for instance, uh, solved a lot of the early uh, problems uh, where many congregations or nonprofits who hadn't made that shift already and were sort of easy, low hanging fruit wins for nonprofits. And as, as we moved deeper and deeper through the pandemic over the last few years, um, finding ways to continue to ask to, um, to present need was a growing question for nonprofits and congregations in particular. 
uh, as we're coming out of it now, what we do see is that returns to attendance patterns have changed. And so many people are engaging or continuing to engage in an online way. Um, but I think the open question is, does online engagement um, present the same benefits or opportunities as engaging in person? It's an open question, I think, for a lot of nonprofits, particularly for the faith community. And the congregational leaders might answer that question one way, and the congregants might answer the question another way, which is also part of this complex dynamic uh, that we see uh, with religious behavior and what that means for charitable giving. Uh, I asked David the question about the pandemic. Each of the chapters in the fifth edition of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising uh, deals with what happens during times of crisis like the pandemic. But Rafi, we also address wanted each chapter to talk about social justice and, and social reconciliation, racial reconciliation, all of the issues that uh, reemerged in, in wonderful, difficult, challenging, but important ways in, in 2020. Um, and, and I'm just kind of curious, what is uh, the context of religion in that regard, where sometimes some of these disagreements are across religious lines, but I know with your affiliation with the Muslim Philanthropy Initiative, uh, as part of the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving, which David leads at the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, uh, that you and your colleagues are looking to say, how do we cross lines of distinction? How do we bring people together uh, with a religious lens? How can people understand religion and charitable giving in the context of social justice? Right. I mean, I think uh, the events of 2020 were a pivotal moment, which caused uh, a lot of Americans and actually across the world to really think about race in a way that they hadn't. Uh, not to say that race wasn't talked about, um, but globally, um, I think and I think religious congregations and religious organizations also had to take uh, heart to and see how how were our traditions, how are our teachings uh, attributing to this uh, context that we find ourselves in. I mean, I remember uh, right after uh, the George Floyd protests in the summer of 2022, um, my colleagues at Lake Institute and at the School of Philanthropy too were actually thinking about like, what, what role does philanthropy, philanthropy play? And we had several uh, focus group conversations with religious nonprofit leaders and congregational leaders. And they talked about some of the uh, frankly, um, harmful uh, effects of some of their historical teachings regarding to slavery, whether it was uh, mandated by God or rather permissible by God, or whether it was uh, abolition was something that was commanded by God. So there was something going on that I think that really got to this debate within religious communities. And, and specifically to speak about the, the Muslim community as well, this was also a time where we also deeply reflected on uh, how our practices were contributing to the problem. Um, in my previous research, I looked at race within the Muslim community and how mosques tend to be segregated along race. Uh, you know, Arab mosques tend to kind of, Arab community tends to go with along with the Arab mosques. Then the South Asian community usually tends to go into predominantly South Asian mosques. Um, and then African-American Muslims, which are a lot, actually, um, they make up a good portion of the Muslims in the United States. They tend to go in separate separate mosques. And so a lot of faith leaders were really thinking about why, why this was happening. And if we wanted to address some of these problems, we had to become more uh, integrated. And so we started having conversations pertaining to race. The Muslim uh, um, ARC, which is the Muslim Anti-Racist Collective, started doing workshops amongst the Muslim community to really get this conversation started because the voices of African-American uh, Muslims, they, they were leaders in the history of Islam in this country but their voices were marginalized and they they really tried to uplift their voices and their experience amongst the larger American Muslim community. 
Rafi, thank you for your transparency there. But I also know, you know, your work and your colleagues is also, you know, searching for where do we find those interfaith areas of, of intersection um, as well. And that's so important to cross those lines of distinction to, to come together uh, philanthropically and out in the community. I'd like the same question in conclusion for both of you. Uh, and that is, you know, if I'm with a faith-based nonprofit, okay, I understand my faith. I understand my folks who I worship with, who kind of, you know, I run with uh, on the weekends when it's time for religious worship. I'm always curious about the secular nonprofit. And David, you touched on this a little bit in your opening remarks. You know, do, do the secular nonprofits say, well, okay, I'm out, right? Yeah, I'm not in that particular religious faith. But actually the opposite is true. As you said that, uh, you know, religious motivation can lead to all sorts of charitable giving. So kind of last word from both of you, David, I'll start with you and then Rafia ask you to continue. What advice do you have for fundraisers? especially in non-religious nonprofit organizations, when they find out that a donor has religious motivation as part of their charitable values? Yeah, that's a great question, Bill. And I, and I would say uh, up first, before we're looking at individual donors, is to look at other fellow nonprofits in that sector. So there may be faith-based and secular nonprofits that can come together around a shared issue. Maybe it's climate, maybe it's uh, you know, a particular kind of homelessness or poverty. Uh, I, what we're seeing more and more are secular organizations and secular philanthropy that are embracing a variety of, of faith-based actors um, across the spectrum. These become sort of uncommon collaborations where we can work together around a common cause. As much as religion sometimes divides us in our society and become a polarizing force, particularly around faith and giving, we do think it can be a uniting uh, sense of kind of common purpose across faith. And across faith, uh, religious and secular divides. But looking at religious individual donors, if we're not tapping into the passions and values of our donor base, we know that's the, the primary motivation for donors, whether those are faith-based or other types of motivations, but but thinking through, you know, what are the values and passions and, and motivators for individuals that are giving in a wide variety of ways? Um, I think we're missing the chance to connect with our donors for the cause that, that we represent. Rafia, same question. If I'm at a secular nonprofit, and I know somebody's observant in their Muslim faith, Christian faith, their First Nation with their Native American spiritual beliefs, whatever the case might be. Am I out? Or how do I intersect with that donor? Not at all. Uh, so while for religious givers, they're highly motivated by their religion to give, what that actually means, and I'm um, to borrow from the Jewish tradition of Tikkun Olam, which is repairing the world, it, it does, it, it's not confined to just my, my community. It affects the entire world. So animals, the environment, all that, all that stuff it should be important to the deeply religious giver. Um, and one thing that I will say, um, just to look at particular, so when we did some research on uh, the activity, philanthropic activity of, of the Jewish community in the United States, up to 40% of their giving actually goes to non-Jewish related organizations. So that's that's significant. You can't discount that. And then looking at the Muslim American community as well, even though the mosque is tends to be the highest recipient of Muslim American giving, um, they also give to civil rights organizations. And they're also very, very interested in domestic poverty alleviation. alleviation. They're not giving their money just away to you know, countries back home. They really are concerned about helping the poor in this country. And that's regardless of faith. That's, that's something that is deeply uh, that a lot of Muslims are very deeply committed to. Well, we are just so grateful for the expertise of Rafia Khadr as well as David King 
taking what is a very complex topic with many different angles, many different understandings, and helping us understand the role of religion in giving. And we have just scratched the surface here. You really need to dive into chapter 27 of the fifth edition of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, which is available on our website at the Fundraising School at philanthropy.iui.edu forward slash the Fundraising School. You will also find uh, information about our public courses, our custom training, our quarterly webinars, and these free podcasts. And if you go just one spot over on that toolbar across the top of the website, you'll find institutes. Click there and down comes the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving, which has a certificate in religious fundraising training uh, for our folks in religious congregations and with spiritual motivations custom training as well, uh, a wide range of unique research that literally is sought out nationally and internationally. David leads that institute for us. Rafi is a key colleague in the work of the Lake Institute, uh, and you can find information about the Lake Institute as well. So again, philanthropy.iupui.edu. Go across the top toolbar, you'll see the fundraising school. One slot over, you'll see institutes. The drawdown menu there will take you to the Lake Institute on faith and giving. I'm so grateful for my colleagues joining me today, David King and Rafia Potter. Our producers today, Jennifer Poffman and Mike Anthony. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.